Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into one-minute segments and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast. Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco. And Kyle, normally, yeah. we, we just talked, like, in the last minute about, like, all the behind-the-scenes and how, like, you know, we try to put everything together and, like, yep. what I do for, like, the open. No, I don't have any open today because yep. I am completely almost speechless. Well, not really quite because I always have something to say. Dude, it's here. I know. I know. <laughs> we have been keeping this secret from you for so long. Uh, I cannot believe it's actually out there and you're about to experience this. Because here we are at minute 120 of Iron Man 2 for 2010, or John Favreau. And uh, we're doing things a little differently today. It's real. It's not fake. It's not <laughs> some weird uh, AI bot edited thing. No. We, two schlubs with beards... Got totally. to talk to the one and only Agent Coulson himself, Mr. Clark Gregg. It happened. I have a screenshot that proves that it happened just because I sometimes don't believe it myself. Uh, we'll get into a lot of this, but I know that you don't want to hear us nattering on. Nope. You want to hear from the man himself. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, part one of our interview with Mr. Clark Gregg. I believe you're currently shooting Being the Ricardos, is that right? That's a true fact. Uh-huh. So you work with, obviously, with Aaron Sorkin. You did stuff on Broadway. You've done you know, Sports Night. You did West Wing. But now he's directing you. How, how has it been having him as a director rather than just trying to get his words right? It's funny. I always, even though the, the amazing directors on all of those things, Don Scarnito on Broadway and then um, various great West Wing directors and Sports Night directors, I think Tommy Schlamme was involved with both you always feel Aaron's presence in the room. Like, you know, both in the words and in, you know, they're words that are entitled to a level of loyalty. Not all the words you come upon are. And, um, right. But it was really, I just so far, really the main stuff that I have is, is still to be shot. But we did have one or two long rehearsals and a table read. And um, it was really thrilling. I, I, he, you know, he's a man of the theater. and He's been doing this a long time. I mean, I remember the review for A Few Good Men said... Young playwright, 29-year-old playwright, I think, Aaron Sorkin. You know, he was quite the um, wunderkind. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he still kind of is. We've been guests on a, a movie podcast today. We've been talking about being the Ricardos because every time another piece of news comes out about another announcement of who is casting, it just gets more and more exciting. Like, the fact that J.K. Simmons is going to be Fred just blew our minds. It's a great role, and um, he's going to be great. He's already great. Can you say who you play in it, or is that still secret? It's fine if it's secret. I just... No, no, no. I can say it. I, I'm, I'm Ethel. Oh, <laughs> of course. I am, uh, I believe, a fictitious amalgam of CBS creative execs. Okay. Now by the name of Howard Wenke is his name, and he's a, kind of a key player in the Desilu production of I Love Lucy Every Week. Yeah, well, that, that's a very Sorkin-esque name. So, okay, so let's talk Marvel. Uh, so let's go all the way back to the beginning of the MCU. How did the unnamed agent, uh, who would we would come to know as Phil, uh, first come into your life? Um, I, got a, I got a call from uh, my agent at UTA, and uh, he said, uh, hey, uh, did you know that they're about to start shooting Iron Man? And I was like, yeah, yes, I am. Very aware of this. Uh, they have an amazing cast. And he said, well, you know, there's a little part... There's not much there. I think a couple of lines. But, you know, I know you like this stuff. And I was like, yeah. And I saw the cast and I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be the first person cut out of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
just a guy with no name. And uh, luckily, uh, I said, you know what? I can't pass this up. And uh, it became uh, more and more of a thing, in both in that movie and going forward. And um, certainly, I, I have been Philip J. Coulson uh, for, I think, 11 years. Yeah. 12. Yeah, same, because uh, we, now we're talking about Iron Man 2 a lot. Um, it just celebrated its 10-year anniversary. So then it was... Iron Man was then two years before that, so yeah. Okay, I'm I'm curious if we can extend that time. So I have a question in terms of characters, and you got to put something to rest. Are Agent Mike Casper and Agent Phil Coulson the same person? No. Oh wait, oh. definitively. Definitively. Oh, look at that! Look at that! You got an exclusive. I. That's amazing. <laughs> well, because okay, and you know why I'm asking because this is what really throws people. I think it would be the other way around. Agent Mike Casper, LMD. Oh, see? Didn't see that coming. Oh, no, so no. West Wing is part of the Marvel Universe. Well, that's... Okay, Sam Seaborn <laughs> is clearly a scroll. He's clearly a scroll. We knew this. Okay. Rob Lowe has been playing a scroll. That's why he never ages for 20 years. Exactly. All right, okay, but... He just is a scroll. I'm not going to argue with anybody. Anything I do, I play a Muppet. And someone was like, that's definitely... That's also that's Colson in deep cover, so I just go with it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, uh, in between Iron Man one and two, uh, you got a chance. Your first directorial debut, your film directorial debut, your Choke came out. So, what was it about uh, Chuck Palahniuk's novel that caught your interest and had you and you kept on for so many years before you actually were allowed to really shoot it? Um, I did what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Choke. Let me I did, did Choke. How many years? <laughs> Uh, I, that's what my research says five or six years that you tried oh, yeah. to get it made. Yeah, yeah it did take, take a bit. Um, I thought Fight Club was visionary and really important form of satire that I hadn't seen much of. That, that was as kind of punk rock as it was smart, as it was uh, fearless. And I felt in a very different way, the same way about Choke. And even though it was about a sex addicted colonial theme park worker uh, who deliberately chokes in restaurants so that he can form a parasitic relationship with the people who save him. I don't know. I felt like it, it felt very personal to me. I had a personal connection to it in ways that I probably don't want to think about too much. Um, and I just thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a brilliant piece of work. And Chuck turned out to be a really incredible collaborator. And uh, I was lucky to get uh, a great friend and, and a brilliant actor like Sam Rockwell to play the lead and um, a really a tremendous cast. And, uh, you know, we we had a hell of a great time with all that. Yeah, so we've been talking about Sam Rockwell a lot because of uh, his time oh, in yeah. Iron Man 2. Yeah, he's one of our favorite parts of the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's been a super fun. Yeah, you shot that before Iron Man 2? Oh, before Iron Man 2. Yeah, it came, I'm I mean, say, actually, I'm it came say out yes in between. Before Iron Man, I think between the two. Because okay. during Iron Man, I was desperately trying to put the financing together and it would come together and fall apart and come together and fall apart. And, and John Favreau had certainly come that route with swingers and, and he was, uh, they were, he was hilariously encouraging and wise about the process and how to survive it. There was that book, the secret mm, yeah. that was out. And I, I think they were teasing me, but I took it very seriously. <laughs> he and his uh, collaborator, Peter Billingsley um, were like, trust the secret. You've got to visualize the budget you want for this movie and the cast you want. And I, I think they were teasing me, but I just did all of it and it totally worked. So the secret. Wow. So uh, did your experiences like as a director change how you 
approached acting when you came to the set? Like, did you have a, a new perspective when you came back to the set, seeing what the big job was like? Absolutely. I mean, there's there's something about directing other actors, the trust exercise of that, um, editing performances, seeing all the takes, watching the different processes of someone like Angelica Houston or Sam or Kelly McDonald, the magnificent Kelly McDonald, where you really get to see the way different people put together an amazing performance. And it's, it's kind of a dream job for an actor to direct because you learn so much about acting that you wouldn't necessarily get to see otherwise. You'd done a bunch of stage directing. What was the biggest difference between directing for the stage and directing for the camera? Is it just the amount of people are asking you your opinion on things? Um, partly, but no. I mean, you're, you're so there is a stage picture and there's stuff that's going on and there is a way where you're steering focus on a stage, but finding a way to tell the story visually, not just in the design uh, and the costumes and the, and the locations you choose, but... Um, even though I had written What Lies Beneath and I'd been around for a lot of that, I, I really, uh, I, I had this brilliant cinematographer, Tim Orr, and, you know, the, he had to really do a lot of the work for me, understanding how to communicate what I wanted visually, because there was things I was really clear about and there was many that I, that I wasn't. And then, you know, it would have been one thing if we had the time on a very fast schedule, tight budget like that, to really talk about the options, but really... A lot, you know, after I finished, I, I, I joked with him that I was just going to lie in the refrigerator and figure out, I mean, lie on the couch and figure out how I could get to the refrigerator in less shots. <laughs> because we would possibly have to cut half of what we had planned. So that really that, the, the cinematic language and fitting that to the very tricky tone of choke uh, was the big, the big learning curve for me. So, did, I mean, did that sort of scratch the itch for you? Like, uh, or do you have designs? No, to do no. I, I, mean, I made another fe feature called Trust Me. Trust me probably, yeah. I don't know, eight or God, eight years later or something. And yet, I wrote a part there that mm. I, my partner and my friend, the brilliant casting director and producer Mary Bernou, said, you know, you you're never going to have a part that's better for you than this, and uh, kind of talked me into playing that part. So that became a whole different level of endurance. Yeah. Um, but no, it's something I, I directed two episodes of Agents of Shield, and that was an amazing. Uh, experience there's certainly there's something it's a different form of storytelling than the acting but having an actor's language or a writer's language helps and uh certainly one of the reasons that i was interested in directing a couple episodes of agents of shield was because as the world moves more into long form uh i've been writing things with the hopes of perhaps uh making a long form thing oh interesting oh so you've got some some uh, stuff in the hopper that you're hoping to Yes, I don't think you need to figure out where the hopper is so I can get it out. Of <laughs> yeah, I do have other things I've been working on during that. All right, that's exciting. Okay. Uh, so, on Iron Man 2, you originally showed up at the congressional hearing, uh, but your scene got cut. Do you have any uh, memories of, of shooting with Gwyneth and uh, being in that uh, apparently very crowded set for a, a long time? Um, I knew Gwyneth a little bit socially years earlier, so it was really lovely to see her. And um, and it was a really fun little well-written scene that was funny. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't blame them for cutting it. I don't think it, it moved much along other than kind of doing a plug for this famous chili in Washington and um, <laughs> and keeping Agent Coulson uh, in the picture. But uh, uh, I re just remember watching Gary Shandling. Yeah. Loved and Magnificent Gary Shandling and Sam and Downey all. 
kind of riffing together in there. It was really a thrill. Uh, so is it true that you were actually on the set of Iron Man 2 filming when you found out that Coulson was going to be coming back in other movies? Well, I mean, I, I, I knew that that was my second, and I knew they had plans, but I didn't, you know, you never, I, I still was just surprised that they'd asked me to do another one as this guy. You know, if you start out with no name, you don't, you tend to think you're probably a one and done. Um, but uh, yes, during one of the shots, I know they changed the line. They said, oh, now tell him you have to go. Tell, tell Mr. Stark you have to go. You're, um, you're, well, we have to be in New Mexico. Okay. There was a lot of, you know, shifting of little tweaks of the dialogue in there. And I did it a couple of times before I realized, you know, I feel like Coulson knows where he's going. I should know where he's going, <laughs> you know, to imbue that with some credibility. And, and, I, and I remember Lou Desposito going, what's in New Mexico? And they, and they uh, cause Tony Stark was, I mean, Robert was saying, um, land of enchantment. And I was saying, you have no idea just to be snarky. <laughs> just to be snarky. And then I finally, I was like, they're like, no, that's good. You should keep saying that. I like that. And I was like, well, what is it? What am I? I mean, I know I'm, you know, other than coming up with a snarky riff, what, why, what's, what am I doing there? And they said, oh, Thor, Thor, Thor is in uh, New Mexico. The hammer. You're going to, did no one tell you this? You're going to find the hammer. <laughs> and that was one of the many moments where I was like, well, nothing like on a need-to-know basis. That really yeah. helps your character. You know, we've, we've been talking about this movie. We, we're literally breaking it apart minute by minute. And I think one of the things that uh, we're in the post-production in some of the lighter episodes, it's amazing to realize how important you are and the pivotal role that character plays in Iron Man 2. I have made the case that Pepper Potts is not a great friend of Tony Stark. She, she lets him get drunk at the party. Everything goes bad. You're the one, you are the character, I would even say more than Nick Fury, that actually changes Tony, like gives him the motivation to search for answers and to, to get him on the path of where he needs to be. It's Phil Coulson's character. Okay, I like where you're going. Yeah, I see, okay. <laughs> Why, what do you mean? Tell me yeah, no, no, that's where you're going. Now, okay, now I have, an, I have a really odd question here too. Okay, so we know that when, when Clark Gregg gets into a lip sync battle, things get toxic. Mm. Let's say, I'm going to pitch this. I want to pitch this to Disney+. Plus. They're doing a what-if show. What if in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's a lip-sync battle, Agent Phil Coulson is in it, who does he battle, and what song does he perform? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's a whole other episode of this show. I, I yeah. know, right? But how does he influence, how does he influence um, Tony Stark? Because of the way I think that he interfaces him, one of the things that we picked up on in this movie, in Iron Man 2, is, is that... Tony is really put off kilter when characters don't give him a lot of work, a lot to work with. Right. Yeah. So like uh, Natasha Romanoff, right? Like Black Widow, she, he doesn't know how to read her. He doesn't know how to read Phil Coulson's character. And, and because of that, it really engages him and it draws him into the dialogue. And so when you have those moments, especially the moment after the party and the, the, the house, the mansion has been blown up, that whole thing of, look, here's your, here's your information. I'm not your coffee boy. Yeah. You got to get to work. I'll take it's you. A, yeah, it's a man. real pivotal moment for the character, right? I and I, I remember. I mean, I remember Justin Theroux pitching that and kind of coming up with that line and just thinking, like, okay. And that had been a thing that that had been talked about a little bit, which was, and I don't know if this is was always their plan or that this is what they came up with, but you know that this kind of pesky bureaucrat who seems to want to meet with Tony Stark in her Iron Man one that that was a hiding in plain sight kind of cover. Yes. Did yeah. you get a hint of at the end of that movie where he goes, it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> I've seen aliens that would make you have died from a heart attack, you know, um, which it turns out I had. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Captain Marvel. Um, 
And so that I thought that was a brilliant thing by Justin of adding the bit where you go, okay, if you're going to act up, I'm going to have to peel off one more, not a scroll head, right. one more layer of the mask of you think you know who I am, you don't know. We're dealing with things. And I think that kind of pays off when you go, when he goes, I've got to leave, I've got to go deal with something in New Mexico. Yeah. And I think it's in the credits of that movie where, where he, I found it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was gonna I have that on my list of questions that we're gonna talk about. But yeah, that that scene is one of our favorites too, just because Robert's just being Tony and charming and quippy, and Coulson's giving him nothing, and it's fantastic. It was, yeah, it was a that. great line he came up with about that. Hey, listen, just you, you, you know what? Once you get your action figure, <laughs> I mean, you've made it. You're a pivotal, you're a pivotal player. By the way, the answer to those questions are smaller action figure. Yeah. That's, a, that's actually the medium-sized one. I know it's <laughs> it's the six-inch. It's the legends. I mean, you know, <laughs> Nick's okay. is a little bit. I mean, Sam's is well, you know. Anyway, okay. That's, but I thought you were going to go with the answer is is that lip sync battle in the MCU. You take on Nick Fury, and I think the song is maybe like "Take on Me." You know, okay. something a little, a little bit. Yeah, right, exactly. A little. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'd like to think that Coulson would be a little less leggy, excited, <laughs> jumping to the androgynous. Uh, Airline steward. I just, I didn't want to, I wasn't going to, I, yeah, it's, it, I'll tell you, you look, those are nice legs. No joke. Well done. Right. You don't think Colson would do Star Spangled Man? <laughs> you know, yeah, who knows? There was a whole scene in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where he's having this kind of tense standoff with Edward James almost. Who's running an alternate version of Shield, and it's this showdown of ostensible heads of Shield, and um, they're talking about their potential rep record collection. And I kept throwing out like, I really prefer, you know, and I would go like for big punk bands, and the showrunners would come over. No, that's not Phil Coulson. <laughs> like, well, it's not Bob Seger, okay? <laughs> no. All right, we're back in the studio. Uh, sorry, I know I was having a good time listening to him too, but uh, you know you got to keep the people com coming back for more. Uh, so uh, that was only part one. Uh, it doesn't end abruptly. We have a whole other thing where we get into a lot more specific stuff, and uh, uh, Clark warms up and starts really messing with us. So oh, he oh, there was messing. No, there was messing here. There there, there, there was a lot of messing with us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it amps up. Uh, believe me, in part two, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, so in the meantime, while you're waiting, uh, you could. Uh, maybe go on to the social media things and say, hey, can you believe it that these guys from this little show I watched got to talk to this guy and it was amazing, you know, I'd do what you can. We we had a great time talking to him. We loved for more people to listen to it. So um, leave a review or post on all your social stuff, or let, you know, tag us in the thing and, and let people know that uh, we got a chance to talk to the man himself. So make sure you're back here for minute 121 when we have our, our second part of the Clark Gregg interview. Uh, we get into some serious stuff and maybe some possible notes about the future of Agent Coulson? What? what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. Enough said. Bye. Bye.